Hi, and welcome to the first series of podcasts from Physical Culture Research in Education, which is a research group based at the University of Edinburgh, with an interest in topics such as health and wellbeing, pedagogy, teacher professional learning and digital cultures, but with much of the work that we do focusing on the subject of physical education. My name is Shirley Gray, and together with my colleague Andrew Horrell, we have recorded this series of six podcasts where we talk to PE teachers who have engaged in a practitioner inquiry. These are short podcasts of around 20 to 25 minutes where we find out what motivated their inquiry, what they did and what they learned. Hopefully our discussions will inspire others to reflect on their practice and even carry out their own professional inquiry. In this podcast today, we're going to be talking to Fraser McCurdy. He's a PE teacher in West Lothian, and he'll be talking to us about a project related to improving participation in PE, which is always a topic that we'll want to learn and know a bit more about. Hi, Fraser. Hi, Andrew. How are you doing? Fine, thank you. Nice to see you. Lovely to see you again. Uh, Fraser, I know you quite well, but not everybody will know you, so just say a little bit about yourself if you could. So as you said, I currently teach PE out in West Lothian. At the moment, I am full-time secondary, but uh, until recently, I was split across primary and secondary. Also additionally had the primary PE lead officer role within West Lothian itself. So the the last few years since uh, university has been quite varied for me uh, across the different levels, which has been nice. Well, it's nice to know you've been suitably busy. Yeah, definitely. So Fraser, you're you're on this podcast because you've been uh, engaged in a bit of inquiry. Uh, can you tell us what exactly it is you're you're doing? So what are you interested in? Why why is it important for us to know about? Perfect. So I engaged in a practitioner inquiry focusing on raising the bar in girls' participation in PE and sport. I really wanted to see if I could increase the enjoyment and participation of the all pupils that were in my care in the primary sector especially the girls because there was such a marked drop rate and drop off rate in participation in the teenage years so i was hoping that by providing these positive early experiences in pe that might combat the drop off rate later on in secondary when we all become a bit more aware of everything around us and social influences. So I thought if we upskilled early and we had a real positive engagement early, could that potentially for the pupils in my care uh, look to combat that barrier? So when you were working in that context, were the were you working in the primary school that then fed into that secondary school so you could see that transition? Absolutely, yes. I could also see what that transition was and I, and I knew what was happening already in the uh, in the secondary school where they had um, some girls interventions, some clubs which looked really, really supportive for, for certain pupils across the school to engage with sport and physical activity. So you've answered a bit of the why, but I don't know if you want to add to it. You've said that you noticed in secondary school at a certain age there was a bit of a drop off. Um, do you want to add to that at all or any other reasons why this was important to you to do this research? Yeah, absolutely. There was a kind of almost two-pronged reason why. So there's the well-documented national and international drop-off rate, which we've referenced there. And personally, I had an experience of a bit of my own unconscious bias 
which I wasn't I, w- I wasn't very happy about. I wasn't very proud about. I was fairly disappointed with as a PE teacher. I didn't think that should be part of my part of me uh, being a teacher. So through that experience, I decided that you know I need to I need to change here. I need to look at myself and look at what I'm doing because I have a real responsibility here for all the pupils in my care. And 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 th- this this unconscious bias was was ju- was just a a passive comment with a, with a tone which in reflection, you know, it, it wasn't it wasn't correct and it wasn't meant with uh, any derogatory terms or anything. But I felt that you know what, and I got called out. It was my it was actually my fiance Jess that called me out. Uh, we were in Ireland and we were uh, seeing uh, the Michael Flatley, the what's it called, the River Dance stuff, and the Irish rugby team was there. And uh, she said, oh, they've got a game this weekend. Do you want to go and see it? And of course, I at that point prioritised the Guinness factory trip the next day, which we had planned over the fixture. And you know, that is fine to have that priority and decide. But it was the tone in which I said it. And she called me out and said, oh, hold on, you're a PE teacher. You, you can't be having these things. So I think it's important for me to, one, admit and recognise that because I then need to explore uh, what that is. It's a difficult thing to admit to but the first day of admitting then leads into improving absolutely i think that's really interesting to um and a, and a really important first step to recognize that it might be something that you subconsciously have been contrib- contributing to where i think often in these cases there's a reaction to first of all go to the girls and try and address something with the girls rather than recognise that actually it's something in yourself that you're contributing to. So that's a really important and brave step, I think. And I imagine it it invokes a bit of discomfort and dissatisfaction, as you've alluded to, because you're actually recognising something that could be perceived as a fault in your own practice or your own beliefs. And so addressing that, I think, probably is a really important first step. What did you do then from from there, from recognising there was an issue and it was something about your perspective what did you then do so i wanted to make sure that i wasn't uh, that wasn't coming across in my learning and in my teaching and it was just a silly stereotypical comment which we which we all need to make big steps nowadays to stamp these things out so i wanted to yeah i felt like i had a little bit of making up to do and uh, to make sure that i wasn't putting that across in any of my uh, any of my teaching so first of all uh, i looked at the the data nationally and internationally and what the participation rates were, I, I won't go into those those <laughs> those data. I think it's a well documented case. But what I then did was collect data on my pupils at the beginning of the year, and I looked at all pupils um, in the school from uh, P1 through to P7, and I then from there was able to pick out boys, girls, uh, year groups, and see if there was any kind of trends and act on things from there. I then did the same. I did the same thing at the end of the year to see if there'd been improvement. And what I really saw was that at the beginning of the year, I had in terms of the main part I looked at was actually extracurricular data. So I had 49% of my school role taking part in extracurricular at the beginning of the year. So looking at the next part of the physical activity apart from the P curriculum we're offering. offering. By the end of the year, we'd gone from 49% up to 75% participation and with 81% of that being from the girls in our school. So you could have managed that because you just put on more 
activities to increase your rate of stuff or were there actually more people coming? Well, there was more people coming because we had the, the percentage amount of people which had attended at least one club in the year from my own data and from the active schools data, which they collect every year that so that there was, well, one, there was more activities on, but it was just, it was per pupil, have you attended one activity, not how many activities have we attended? Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, no, I can see how that, that works. And uh, and in terms of the project and what you were trying to achieve, did did you then consult with the pupils to consider what they would want to have? Is that part of the you know the project, the inquiry? Absolutely. So that was my kind of data collection, the reading and the research, which I looked at to find any maybe potential barriers. At this point, I had gone down, decided to go down the girls' route and focus on them as well as offering options for the whole school. And the, so the barriers and potential positive influencers, I chose three main themes to look at. That was make sure I had positive female role, role models. I looked at the positive influence of the school and the family. They are the two main influencers of um, physical activity levels within children. And then also looked at the choice which we are providing for all pupils within the curriculum. So I know I've not directly answered you that yet there, Andrew, but I'm almost leading myself into <laughs> into answering you. Quite um, happy for that to happen. Perfect. So yeah, one of the, as you said, there did involve pupil voice. Well, one of the first stages of constructing that curriculum, making sure I had a choice for all and making sure I had pupil voice within it, was I. I had a sports council, which a lot of schools do. But what I added to that was some focus groups. Uh, so I had some different year group focus groups, but also just um, girls only focus groups. Because I'd gone down that route to kind of pick out what we wanted. So that led to, for the upper school, they'd requested uh, a girls only club, which was right. We have only had female uh, class teachers. So it was a girls only club, which they wanted on top of a, a range of other clubs. and that was ran by female class teachers and was kind of multi-activity with a slight fitness focus to it and really just positive relationships than that. If I keep going down the choice route just now, it's far more easily done in a secondary school when you've got uh, more PE teachers, more facilities, so more classes down at the same time to then offer. We had to be quite creative within that in the primary, so we had the pupils come down back to back, like similar age groups, so for instance, you know, it's called period one, but you know, first part of the morning, you could have had P6 and the second part of the morning, you could have had P6, seven or whatever it would be in your school. And that allowed me to offer those two classes up, up from morning to break. I'd say, right, you've got two activity choices here. One, I kept a kind of competitive focus to without naming it, and one with slightly less competitive focus. The, the pupils would all cover the same benchmark, but through a different different vehicle. And I would take half or, you know, two thirds, whatever it worked out as to do the activity. And the other one teacher would get time out and the other teacher would do a, pr yeah, they, they were doing some project work in that time. Um, so they just reshuffled their weekly timetable to have a project because then they could do that kind of uh, dual level and mixed. And we swapped and the other pupils then got their PE lessons. So that was how I provided a little bit of option and choice within a primary PE curriculum. Yeah, that's really kind of interesting. So, I mean, obviously to work with the other teachers in the school to to get them to kind of cooperate with you to to make a change that that could potentially be a bit of a challenge how you know how did you get them on board was that easy with those easy conversations how did that work well the 
from quite a so it was a year after my operation year, so probably like 22, 23, going into primary school, it, it was quite uh, scary at first because you are right there and then the specialist, you are the go-to man for anything PE related. And you've got some very experienced teachers, uh, very knowledgeable, very skilled teachers coming up to you looking for your advice. So uh, over uh, a number of years, I had really established a good working relationship with the teachers where, and they admitted by themselves where PE went from being the first thing to go in the curriculum if there was uh, a song practice, an assembly, something. It went from being the first thing, okay, what, what can I remove to fit that in to being the last thing which the teachers would take out the curriculum because they saw the value of it, they saw the kids' enjoyment. Obviously, they understood the two hour, uh, the, the two hours that they have to provide for the pupils, but also would empower the pupils to know that they were expected to have two hours of quality physical education in the week. Now, that's fine, but it's also then supporting the teachers to provide that quality, to provide that quality education um, or physical education for them. So I had done a West Lothian leadership course where I looked at supporting the, I did a, a project supporting the class teachers to provide high quality two hours of peace. So how did I support that high quality? So we had, again had questionnaires to teachers to find areas which they felt they were lacking in skill, potentially fairly intimidated or worried about in PE. So I provided some after school sessions, some twilight sessions. I had teachers, what really, really, really worked well is I had teachers uh, dropping in. I'd say, look, if you come in for the first five minutes and the last five minutes, I'll tee up your next lesson. And then that's your plan and done. So I got a real buy-in for the teachers uh, to come in and observe and then carry over into the into their lesson. That's great that you got um, some other teachers involved. How else did they get involved, Fraser? Um, so through that buy-in, which I had kind of nurtured over a number of years, we looked at especially what prompted this was really the uh, the positive female role models for our girls in PE. And a couple of years ago, there wasn't as much female sport in the media. Well, that is improving now. But how did I provide positive female role, role models within our school for our girls? So after talking to the head teacher, we managed to agree that the class teachers would be allowed to come in wearing their PE kit on the days which they had their class teacher PE. This showed all the pupils that uh, the class teachers valued the PE, it promoted them as positive role models taking part in PE and physical activity, and really got the teachers to buy into the actual, the, the actual lessons more. We furthered those discussions with the kids through uh, whole school assemblies celebrating women in sport. We also used a book in the primary one to three kind of early level called She's Not Just Good for a Girl, She's Just Good. We read this book at the end of PE lessons and then and picked out different sections each week to discuss and to talk about. So that was the kind of finishing steps which we uh, took within the school and with it with the classes and the teachers to prompt discussions. That's great. I really love that whole school approach because I know a lot of teachers who do try to make a difference in the PE class, but it's a real battle for them because of all the barriers as soon as the young girls, young women step out of PE, barriers that are within the school and so on. Yeah, so that's great. And I'm aware that I'd, I'd said that the, you know, the biggest influences were school and family. I know we're running on time here, Shirley, probably a common feature of me talking too long here. 
Um, so I could very quickly touch on Absolutely. how we involved the family, and then you can edit and cut me out where you need. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> so I, I presented to the class teachers. I also uh, presented to the families. So I got the families and the carers, the parents and the carers in, and discussed how they can support and tackle barriers. I highlighted the importance of them as positive role models and also we throughout the year we were doing a family boot camp so getting the parents to come in and take part in some physical activity with the pupils so that was how we also engaged the family to one give them the knowledge then to involve them all together in some physical activity. I mean that's really outstanding I can't think of any research that I've read where they've involved family in such a way Yet the research does tell us that when young women talk about their PE experiences, they do make reference to um, the perceptions of parents and, and peers about the negative perceptions of parents and peers about PE. So that's really great. And so how has all this learning, so you've engaged in lots here and you're right, we could talk for hours about this. How has this influenced you as a teacher? First of all, it's made me very conscious of how I can shape the curriculum um, around the pupils and not squeeze the pupils into it. So and involving their voice in that, in a leadership capacity when, when I was in that primary, primary sector, it showed me the importance of ensuring that there were positive female role models for the, for the girls to look up to within the school, whether that was celebrating pupils themselves within the school um, or promoting things that happened externally or having the teachers being positive role models. So th that was a real influence for me. So also shaped and shifted my values and views. Like I said, I wanted to inquire on my own views here, make sure there was nothing that was impacting my learning and teaching. Made me appreciate the weight of the influence which I have within my role uh, as a teacher over these young people and made me aware of are there any unconscious biases that, uh, within my practice? I think that's a, a, a continuous cycle as you maybe move to uh, you know, different stages in your own career with your own life, maybe different contexts and different schools or different levels. Those biases may, may be slightly different wherever you are. Just made me aware to keep an eye out for them, to make sure it is positive learning, positive engagement, which you are promoting from the pupils. In terms of maybe our kind of wider agendas within education, you know, that massively sat within tackling the equity agenda, which gender is one of the main features of that. You know, so that was targeted interventions to make sure that my learning teaching was meeting the needs of all learners. You know, it's ticking learning for sustainability. We're looking at lifelong physical, uh, physical activity, which then really leads into pupils' attainment within the classroom, also leads into their capacity to, to be able to work the skills for work when they leave. Are they going to be able to contribute effectively to the society, to the workplace, if they have a sustained level of activity in their life? Um, and, you know, even more so at the moment, with the pandemic we're going through, we should be looking critically and thinking, are all our pupils physically and mentally provided and catered for? Um, so, you know, there's going to be a lot of actually inquiry coming up soon to see how we can really shape our curriculum from what's going on recently. So significant. It's had a significant influence on you as a teacher. It sounds brilliant uh, and well done for all that. It's amazing. So, what advice would you offer to other teachers either interested in this process of continuous learning or improving participation rates of young girls in PE? Well, I guess the first thing in terms of advice to others would be 
need to be I think we all need to be open and open to exploring your own practice, open to accept accepting constructive criticism and seeing if you do like you know it wasn't a very easy thing for me to first of all accept that there that I had I had showed some potential unconscious bias there and then again to, to sit here and, and openly then admit and talk about it but I think it's important to to reference that that might be in there in your practice and if you can't then open up and talk about it how are you then going to look to improve it because it's actually about the provision you're providing for the pupils in front of you so first thing would be to be open to exploring your own practice is there anything sitting under there which you could look to improve that could be looking at it yourself it could be actually involving someone else uh, like like i had uh, like jess did to me <laughs> get someone else uh, involved to to look at your practice uh, allow you to look inwards and then you know from there look outwards and then plan your next forward steps advice to others in terms of involving your, our, our young girls in PE and promoting their engagement. If you're in the primary sector, can you can you get your class teachers coming and get? Can you get your class teachers really buying in to the two hours of um, physical education? Can you celebrate pupil success? Can you promote in your celebration assemblies at the end of the year, junior? Can you celebrate um, everyone's success, especially young girls, and use positive role models within your own school? And can you involve the families? Can you make parents aware of their impact? I'm sure parents know that their kids need to be out and playing and active, but are they aware that what they are doing uh, themselves, that their activity levels, that they are role models, are they aware that, that their kids are learning and seeing from them what adults do? So that, that has an impact of how they then grow and become and shape themselves as adults. Yeah, and also just doing what you did as well can they be aware of their own gender biases you know if they have a little girl dance and gymnastics are they the only options for them or might there yeah. be other options fraser this is really interesting and everything that you've been doing has obviously had quite an influence on your practice and your thinking uh, i'm interested about what's next for you how you might take this forward what are your next steps so i probably looked at things quite structurally um within the school for what I was providing and, and what was going on within there. Um, I probably need to look more inwardly at my pedagogy, my learning and teaching as well, to see how what I am delivering in the class, what what I am doing in front of the kids once they're in that curriculum, see see what's going on there. And what's going to be a, a great a great tool for me in this is that uh, my fiance is, is now doing from listening, she's doing her dissertation, fourth year primary ed, on uh, gender and peace. So I'll be very much listening and uh, picking her brain and uh, choosing any readings that she might have picked out for a, for a dissertation to kind of learn from that. It's really interesting, isn't it? Because it's such a it's such a rich topic. We've known about some of these issues for a long time, but they're enduring, and we need to try and find ways that we we can address that. And I suppose you know going all the way back to your initial point about you kind of unconscious bias, just a a few words, a few thoughts that you say. I think it's really interesting if you're going to really now drill into your own pedagogy and try and think about how, how do you address this? Is it in in the tasks that you set? Is it in the phrases that you say in classes? I think it's a really interesting area to explore because there's probably there is there is no one thing. It's obviously a multitude of things. Um, and I think the, your whole approach has been a really, really insightful into how you've kind of 
can take this in so many different layers. Yeah, and I think that that, and I'll go back to one of the first points I made, Fraser, based on your work, is that looking inwards and working out your own biases, I think, is a really important first step. Because Andrew mentioned there, it is an enduring problem. But I think it's an enduring problem because we look outwards first and we think, well, what needs to change in PE? So we try changing the activities, we try changing the approaches. But actually, what might need to change is us. So the way we deal with girls and boys, the way the timetable structured for girls and boys, you know, and it's us that, that, that organise the timetable. So I think that first step of understanding how is it I might perpetuate some of these gender differences I think that's a really important first step and, and I'm glad to hear that that's a step that you've taken. Well done. Thank you very much. So again, Andrew, that was really interesting. Another teacher, highly reflective, really motivated and has done a lot of work here that he's clearly learned loads from and it's affected him deeply again. Um, what did you take from this? Yeah, I think I'm going to pick up on two things. I mean, I think the first thing is we often talk about the importance of reflective practice or again, I say we, you know, if you if you look at the literature and teacher education or, and, and teacher professional learning development often has this quality of reflection heavily emphasised. But it's a way that you reflect. It's, it's, it's doing that in a way that is sensible and meaningful because you can reflect in a way that you always think to yourself, well, I didn't do a very good job. I could do a better job. And that might be one level and that might be really helpful, but you can see how uh, a couple of conversations that he's had, a few thoughts that he's had, he's made him think about a kind of an aspect of unconscious bias. And then he's really taken the next step to try and do something about that. And he's obviously had a nice opportunity working in the school to be able to, to take that forward. But what I found most interesting was that he went beyond just himself. He really thought about how he could do something that would have a, a broader impact across the, the whole school and how he managed to get buy-in from the teachers because he could see that although he had a specific role, it wasn't just his role to to do a good job for himself and for his pupils. How could he get this whole school approach? So I think that's a really interesting way of, of taking that forward and certainly something that um, I it's not really that prevalent in the literature in a way. You know, we don't hear these kind of stories. So I think it's really interesting what Fraser's been doing. I agree. And again, it just highlights the importance of working with others. So collaborating when you're doing a practitioner inquiry um, and taking a whole school approach. And a lot of the work that I've been doing around health and well-being suggests that really those that are more effective are whole school approaches. And I guess that probably transfers to gender and issues of equality as well that everyone needs to take responsibility. Um, but what, what Fraser's done that I've never seen or heard of before, I've thought of before, but not read about before, is getting parents involved. I mean, that's amazing. So we know that parents can have a huge impact on how young people um, experience and perceive physical education more often than not in a negative way. But the fact that he's engaged parents, got parents done, worked with them, talked to them, I think is amazing. And I think that's a really important area for future research, just to understand that process and what impact that can have on girls' participation and experiences in PE. So it's given me lots of ideas thinking about going forward. It's been excellent. Thanks for listening. That was episode three. 
of our series of six podcasts on practitioner inquiry. I hope that you enjoyed listening to Fraser. In our next episode, Shirley and I talk to Richard Severite. He discusses how his practitioner inquiry focused on the effectiveness of teaching for personal and social responsibility as a way to develop pupils' social and emotional skills in PE. We hope that you'll listen to that. You can find all of the podcasts in this series and find out more details about the work of our colleagues in the Physical Culture Research and Education Group at our website. You can find us by going to www.ed.ac.uk and putting P-C-R-E into the search bar. If you keep listening, you can hear in full Shadowing by Corbin Kites and you can listen to more of the tracks he's recorded by searching for him on YouTube. Until next time, thanks and we hope that you enjoyed listening.